I'm Stephanie Garrelis, and welcome to a new episode of The Stream. On this show, we'll discuss the hottest topics in our world today. You think it, we stream it. Before we get into all that, let's 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 talk to our co-host, Casey. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so well. You know, we took a little winter break because I got a ton of snow, but I'm digging my way out slowly but surely. So I'm just happy to be back on the panel with y'all. As a spring baby. I completely agree with you. Angel, what about yourself? As also a spring baby, I would like to say that I am glad that it looks like we're out of the woods here in Philadelphia a little bit with, with some warmer temperatures this week. So um, yes, look at me being Al Roker. Mm-hmm. And Joseph, how are you dealing with all this inclement weather? Uh, I dug myself out only to be iced over again, but you know we're getting a little spring thaw right now. I'm hopeful that as the days get longer, uh, we start to see a little, a little bit more daylight, both literally and figuratively. All right. I hear that. I hear that. Speaking of daylight, well, not really, but the bright lights of Hollywood will once again be shining come Oscar season. And the nominations were announced yesterday. There were some surprises and there were some snubs. For me, I'm not saying that Lady Gaga is Meryl, the second coming of Meryl Streep. But she makes the Oscar campaign really, really fun. I know if she was talking about bats were after her, Patricia Gucci was after her, she almost drowned. And many people think, well, she just oh, took it over the top and that's the reason why she wasn't nominated. I'm happy that, you know, Will Smith got, got a nomination. I wish Passion would, Passing would have gotten nominate, nominated. But for the most part, I don't know if it's just, it just feels ho-hum to me. There were no like big shockers or big snubs. What are you guys thinking about this? Well, I am like, I haven't watched like an Oscar ceremony full on since like the 90th, just because I wanted to see all that nostalgia and they did so well with it. And it was a really well put together show. I got about five minutes into last year's and I just got really bored, especially since it looked like they were at an Applebee's in ball gowns. Like, <laughs> you know, they were all just sitting around that cafeteria. They felt in the neighborhood. Yeah. I'm like, is General Hospital trying to finish up their lunch break over there? Um, but so I, I see I you, turned, Frank. Yeah, I cut it off. Um, but with this year, you know, everybody was talking about Lady Gaga and everybody was talking about Jennifer Hudson. And I'm going to say something kind of low key controversial, but it needs to be said House of Gucci and that Aretha Respect movie were the lowest balling Oscar bait movies I have seen since Victoria Chase on Hot in Cleveland. I mean, (laughs) to me, it was just, somebody placed it perfectly that Lady Gaga could have gotten a nomination, but House of Gucci was such a unstabilized picture wrapped around her that it didn't work in her favor. I think it was over the top in all the wrong ways, as opposed to Jessica Chastain, I feel the eyes of Tammy Faye was over the top in all the right ways. And I will say to me, the 
snub that nobody is concentrating on that I feel is the biggest snub of the year was passing not being nominated for best film Mm -hmm. out of those ridiculous 10 nominations for best picture 16 of which I haven't even heard of Um, and then Uh, um, yeah yeah, that reminds me of and the fact that I will say real quick the fact that Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega both got shut out just a Mm -hmm. shame all around yeah that just reminds me of those 16 nominations. That reminds me of when that one year on the Emmys when it was all out of the best actresses. Yes. To be completely... Point, I'm sorry. To be com- I'm sorry. To be completely honest, uh, the ones, the, the movies that I wanted to when I realized that they were for 2020 into 2021. So I was like, where's Judas and the Black Messiah? Where's the little things? I'm like, oh, they were for last year. I was really so, shocked, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to talk about a best picture snub besides um, passing, I felt honestly Encanto should have been nominated for best picture. Uh, um, animation doesn't get love, of course. You know, we haven't seen a best picture animation nom since Beauty and the Beast, but mm-hmm. um, everybody's talking about it. And I feel like the Oscars truly needs to return to its former glory of what is the movie everybody is talking about? Yes. What is the movie yes. everybody's actually going to see? Um, there weren't too many. I, the Passing of the dog, passing of the turd, the cat goes meow, the dog goes wolf, whatever movie Kirsten <laughs> was in. Cats and dogs. I've never heard of it. <laughs> uh, cat dog is a show that I used to watch on Nick at night. I love cat dog. I'm sorry. That theme song, man. And then also to add, also to add, here's here's the here's the here's the ball of movies that I watched, all of which were on HBO Max, except for one. F9, Tom and Jerry movie, the little things, Judas and the Black Messiah. Actually, I do want to make one note right here that the one movie that I did saw that actually got nominated was for Best Documentary, The Summer of Soul, which was on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend anybody to watch that. I was in tears at the end of that, from the end of that uh, documentary. And I'm a, I'm a huge documentary person anyway, and I'm glad to see that that got nominated. So that, that was my, that was mine for me. I have yet to see Spencer and I heard, and I have faith that Kristen Stewart did a great job in that movie. Uh, so, but I, I, I can't really comment on that. I just, I'm just, I'm glad to see that she has grown from Twilight, man. I, I, I seem to carry a torch for her, but, and, and I was like, no, don't do Twilight. But anyway, who cares? Uh, but, yeah, I was Spencer's now on Hulu. Oh, oh yes, good, thank you. I have to watch it. And I was surprised it did not snag a Best Picture nomination. Um, well, I started to watch it. It's just a little bit slow. And I'm going to say this, you know, cancel me if you want to. Um, <laughs> I think that the Oscars... I'm not going to use the word woke because I hate the way that that word has been weaponized, but the Mm -hmm. Oscars are now giving out participation prizes. There is no reason why you need to have 10 damn nominees for best picture. If if we're talking about the best of the best movies. You survive COVID and you survive COVID. You pick, yeah, you pick the five best movies of the year. Whether it it was in theaters or streaming, you pick five. You don't pick 16. You don't pick 20. You don't pick 100 Mm -hmm. because you want to make everybody feel included. As for Lady Gaga and the House of Gucci, um, I took it as camp. I went to the theaters and I started laughing. And the thing is that I don't think I was supposed to laugh. We're talking (laughs) about Mauricio Gucci. Um, This is a man that was assassinated. 
The man was assassinated and the house of Gucci was played for laughs. It was played for camp. Jared Leto gave a horrible performance and I'm glad he got a Razzie because well, he doesn't he always. But the thing is that if you're Chapter 27. Movie, you have to thread the needle. And the thing is, whereas Gaga took it seriously, her other cat, you had Adam Driver taking it really, was playing the straight man. You had Gaga playing opposite him and everybody else was doing their own thing. It was a, it was five different movies in one and it did not deserve a nomination. I'm glad they did not get it. I mean, let's be honest, though I'm a big fan of the genre, it was a really bad soap opera with a big budget. That's all it was. It reminded me of those soap operas that used to come on like TBS or like Fox or something. Like those- The Catlins? The Catlins, yeah. It was just, it was really bad. I didn't even want to go see it at the end of the day because, and I'm sorry, Lady Gaga is suffering from Madonna syndrome right now. It's mm. like, you are trying to get an Oscar. And I love Davida. You know, don't cry for me, Argentina. But, you know, it's like, girl, stop trying. I thought you were talking about Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I thought you were talking about, uh, oh, what's the one that she did with her husband, with her husband at the time? But I uh, forgot what it was. Yeah, I forgot. What Joe, it was. what about you? Joe, what do you think? So, suddenly, Susan. Um, so... <laughs> There's a, oh no, that was, that was somebody else. All right. So, you know, in terms of Oscar performances and I, I I totally agree with, with Stephanie that this is a participation trophy. We are in the world of COVID. So we are just inundated with all of these performances and opportunities to, to, to watch content. And it all just seems like crappy Netflix content that gets thrown on screen because they, because it's all competing for our dollar. And I feel like even the Oscars is competing for our dollar now. It's not about what is the best picture anymore. It's not about who's the best actor, or actress, or what is the best movie score. It is about a popularity contest for mm-hmm. wokeness right now. And everything has to be on this, um, this stage of, you know, uh, of, of trying to appease all of these different factions. And at the end of the day, it, it waters down a process that, was pretty esteemed for a long period of time, but you're starting to see a lot of that tarnish wear off. And I hate to say that because, um, you know, for something that is such a, a, a hallmark of the entertainment industry, um, it really has lost a lot of its its value and its luster. I mean, anyone can mm-hmm. get nominated, anybody can win. And oftentimes we spend more time talking about the snubs and the people that didn't deserve to win more so than quality content, quality performances, quality pieces of art. And mm-hmm. to me, that's that, that that's one of the reasons why I just, I pay very little attention to the Oscars. Um, you know, I'll look, I'll, I'll glance over the list of, of who was nominated and things like that, but I don't pay attention to it because it is a popularity contest and not even a good one. I take more comfort in like the SAG Awards or even um, the Golden Globes. You know, to me, um, West Side Story didn't deserve a Best Picture nomination. That could be oh. taken off the list, in my opinion. I, oh, yeah, man. I, I, I don't know why I, I barely, I barely got maybe a minute into it, and I wasn't in the right space. Angel before. said, "I saw the opening title." And I saw the opening title. Um, I was like, "Okay, I'm good. I'll watch. I'll watch it. I'll watch it downtown." <laughs> I feel like you know, being the Ricardos has been a big discussion, and to me, that honestly, I'm just gonna say it. It only got nominated because it was an Aaron Sorkin movie. Um, yeah. I feel like if you're going to think about who could potentially win from that film, 
I think Javier would snag it over Nicole Kidman. Um, Nicole, to me, she was great in Nine Perfect Strangers. And I love Nicole Kidman, um, especially in like the others. And I mean, she's just a great actress, but this was not her role. If you want to benchmark from a biopic pick, and this goes for Jennifer Hudson as well. If you want to benchmark, the benchmark is with Renee Zellweger um, with Judy Garland. Um, doing her own singing, wearing the prosthetics, uh, doing months and months of research before even saying yes to the part. That's where the benchmark is. I just, I don't know. This is going to be very rough. There are people I'm happy for. Will Smith, um, uh, Denzel Washington definitely deserved his ninth nomination. Um, I'm not the biggest Andrew Garfield fan, but he got a lot of critical praise uh, for Clink, boom, tick, tick, boom, clink, scat, skiddly do, whatever it was. Um, Bye, Lily. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, congratulations to the nominations. I feel like the only people, you know, who really deserved it this year were Jessica Chastain and Kristen Stewart. I'm just going to be honest. And I thought it was weird before we go to the next topic. I thought it was weird that we had that that Netflix show, that Netflix movie that just came out. What was that? This is the end? In, in yeah. The end? It doesn't really like, matter? Why is this is the end? Well, like, what are you doing here? here? Why is that a Best Picture nomination at all? Wait, wait, are the Backstreet Boys back? Are they going to dance? <laughs> are going to dance to this? And then you have Twister. It has, it has everybody in it. I don't know. Exactly. Oscars try again. Just that's right, a high school. Try again, try again 2023. Now speaking, <laughs> now speaking of performances, mm. somebody who is always pulling a stunt and show is Kanye West. Mr. Stunt and shows every time we turn around, there is yet another spectacle that is taking place on the timeline. Yesterday's episode on Kanye and Kim Turns is, you know, Kanye West, um, and this is a very serious issue, so let me stop, you know, being sarcastic about it. Kanye West believes that Kim Kardashian should not be putting their daughter Northwest on TikTok because she's eight years old. And he says, as the father of this child, I do not want my child on TikTok. Now he was taking some cheap shots at her, taking taking digs. And she said, well, I am the primary parent. I know what's best for my child. Speaking as somebody who doesn't have any children, my opinion is a little bit, it cannot reflect how other people feel. I know that for me, I believe that social media is very, very harmful. It's harmful for adults. So I can only imagine what it is like for kids of a certain age. If I were a parent, as much as I don't like Kanye, I would have to say, I agree with Kanye. I don't want my child on Instagram. When Kim Kardashian, a couple of years ago, she was putting all her business on Instagram. That is how the robbers found her. I'm not blaming Kim Kardashian for being burglarized. I wanna make that absolutely clear. But we now have, it's not about big brother, you know, tracking us down. We are inviting people into our life. Little people are in labor. I've got to take a picture for Instagram. People are at funerals. I've got to take a picture of the cloth and just show, like, what are you trying to show? And I believe that, you know, kids, they're very vulnerable. And even if you are a parent and you are watching everything that your child does, once a child has access to it, what makes you think they're not going to go behind your back and do something? Because Northwest, Mm -hmm. she got a hold of Kim Kardashian's phone a couple of months ago, and she went online. So what are you guys thinking about this? Well, so I raise a six-year-old um, and I've stepped into that role of parent. And so my um, the child I raise 
when we got an upgrade on our iPhones, we um, essentially deactivated an old one and it could only access like the app store and stuff. And we downloaded some games uh, for him to play on the old phone. And we not, we monitor very heavily. Um, it's only those certain games we've disabled everything else, but no social media at that age. Mm-hmm. No, oh my gosh, please do not do social media. Um, and I get it, this is a media family, but even the biggest celebrities who are all over social media still protect their children. Um, you yeah. know, they, still realize, you know, you look at Jennifer Garner, for example, who worked with Halle Berry a couple years ago to stop the paparazzi from hammering children with cameras all in their face and cameras at school functions and everything else, um, because it is such an invasion of privacy. You know, there needs to be a separated world. Your child is not the celebrity you are, but it is your duty as a parent to let them live a normal life. And having that child on TikTok Mm -hmm. is very harmful. Um, And I I would not be doing it. For once, as much as it pains me, I am siding with Kanye here. Um, I don't think that means Kim is a bad mother by any means. Totally not saying that. Kim didn't even do it with the illest of intentions, I'm sure. But there just needs to be a way to draw the line and the line needs to be drawn ASAP. I think for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I know I want to give Angel a chance to speak. I think for a lot of celebrities, they believe that they can tame the beast because a lot of these celebrities, right, they have Instagram account for their kids. Why does a two year old need an Instagram account? Let it, and I maybe I sound antiquated, but let a child be a child. It makes me very uncomfortable to know that strangers are leering at an yes. innocent child. And when you talk about the paparazzi, these grown men and women too now, these grown adults mm-hmm. are literally stalking children. Because, um, you know, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, there's a, um, there's a bounty on the lives of their children. These paparazzi are like, you know, we don't care about the sanctity of your children. We don't care about their welfare. We want their pictures. What benefit is it to you to see a little baby besides currency and things like when you would you make children currency that never ends good? Yeah, to add to that, um, okay, so first of all, you, Stephanie, and Casey and Stephanie hit everything that I've ever that I've ever uh, not bragged about that I ever criticized about social media, like right there, right stupidly there. Um, I was watching a video last night, uh, where, um, there was a true crime video and they, and it was about a couple, uh, who broke, who broke up, um, their relationship was all over social media, two week anniversary, that sort of thing. And when they broke up, they had a huge fight and it was all over social media and some stuff that I have seen not, not with the couple but like some, some stuff I've seen on my own social media where a couple breaks up and it's become like Carly walking in on Sonny and Nina on General Hospital and it's wild and crazy and everything like that unfortunately that ended with the death of the boyfriend of the ex-boyfriend um, in a horrible fashion which I will not repeat here and these were in high these were high schoolers and I work with 
middle schoolers. And to imagine that this is what they do, I don't know, it's, it makes me, it's, if, if, if I, tr- I try not to think about it because I know when I was in high school, um, MySpace was barely a thing and we were on social media, but it wasn't as bad as it is now. I agree with Kanye. I, I fully admit to agreeing with Kanye. He is in the right with all this, with all of this. It's, and it's not even that Kim is doing a bad job of being a mother, um, though my family members would think otherwise because I'm not going to repeat what they have to say about Kim. Um, but it's, it's more about the welfare of, of the child. Yes, the Kardashians are a media mogul family, and that's not going to change. But at some point, there needs to be some restrictions on that. Like, you have North out here doing live videos. For what? North, you're eight. Get off social media. You, like, it's it's just it's just so mind-boggling to me. But Stephanie and Casey have pretty much summarized everything I need to say. And, oh, by the way, um, Stephanie, when you mentioned that there was a, that, that you know, two, two-year-old baby on social media, that kind of reminded me of, a, of one of my former friends who, before the baby was even born, they had a Facebook. And that, that is where I draw the line with that. Like, you don't do that. Like, you don't raise your baby to be so, to be social media conscious, because that's, that's such big, broader stuff to me. I can't do that. I mean, and I'm, I'm not against like, you know, parents sharing, like if I'm going to do an Instagram and I, you know, I, I grab my kid and we're having a moment that, I, that means nothing to me. I mean, you know, you're, you're a parent, you want to share some of your, um, your, some memories. It's just the fact that a lot of these celebrities and parents in general, they're cre- they're curating social media accounts for their kids. And the thing is that nothing on the internet disappears. It stays forever. Mm-mm. Like you can delete something. But it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. No, and imagine, you know, in 10 years, well, given how, you know, we're electing anybody to be president nowadays, maybe what, what you're doing at 17 isn't going to stop from being president at this point, mm-hmm. but, you know, I wouldn't risk it. Yeah, but what I literally meant was that before it wasn't even like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like, oh, it's on their social media load. No, they had a Facebook page with the, ba- with the, with the name of the baby, who is, like their own profile started with the, ultrasounds uh, and I never had kids so it's coming unnaturally to me starting with ultrasounds and then when the baby was born it was their own Facebook account and that freaked me out like so much it was just like what are you doing like are you do you want your baby to be a star and you live in Philadelphia like (laughs) like that's that's I don't know I can't I can't even I can't deal with kids on social media so far, it's three for Kanye. Joseph, is, are you going to make it a perfect four? Or No, no, I'm not going to make it a perfect four. I'm, <laughs> a, I'm amazing. Of course I, I lo- you aren't. I, I, love, I love to throw a grenade in it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to say that Kanye is wrong or right, and I'm not going to say that Kim is wrong or right. If you go, my, my, my six-year-old stepdaughter, is um has access to to, you know youtube and that's about it but she spends all day watching videos of channels with kids presenting whatever it is doing arts and crafts drawing stuff to do i mean 
sheer exploitation of children is, you know, for, for, for media purposes is to me, you know, a tale as old as time. And if you're talking about a family that has mastered the art of it, it's the Kardashians. They have, they have been in the spotlight. They have made the spotlight their, uh, their bread and butter, and they've made millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. And Kanye knew who he was marrying. He knew what family he was marrying into, and he knew where their bread was buttered. So I understand where his concern comes in as a parent. And I understand the concern about having an eight-year-old accessing TikTok or any social media. But if you go around to households in America, that is not uncommon. And if you go on TikTok and look at videos of, you know, uh, not even just parents allowing their kids, just kids having access to it, it is not uncommon. Now, I'm not going to be the person that judges how one parent does their job and how another person doesn't. Being a parent is hard enough. Um, But I will say that having the opportunity to kind of govern what your kid is doing and seeing and utilizing social media for is up to every single individual parent. And if Kim has that notion that it's cool for her eight-year-old to make a TikTok video or to be on social media, that's Kim's prerogative. And if Kanye doesn't like it, sure, I could, I mean, I can understand. There's a reason why they're not together anymore. I'm sure there's plenty of things that they disagree on, but at the end of the day, you, you don't, we don't have a right as an audience to govern how other parents do their job. And we can pontificate about it and have our opinions about it. Um, would I do the same for my child? Absolutely not. My kid wouldn't be on a, on a TikTok video. But I also feel like, you know, this is the, the Kardashians' life. They're obviously probably preparing this kid for their own life in, in, in media and, and in the public eye. And, you know, whatever they do to, to you know, to, to their kid, is is kind of their prerogative and buyer beware you know the results of that are are something that we're going to hear about in 5 10 15 20 years when their kid is older and and we start hearing about them you know acting on their own as adult and and seeing how these things play out in in real time but i'm not going to judge kim or kanye for their decisions as a parent because i wouldn't want someone judging me for my decisions as a parent either so, Joe, are you kind of just like falling somewhere in the middle um, in terms of taking sides? Because I know like you started off by saying um, you're not like against Kanye and you're not against Kim. So there are you falling somewhere in the middle on this decision to have this child on TikTok? I, I think they're both right and I think they're both wrong. And I think I'm not the arbiter of justice in this situation. I think Kanye, as, as a parent, has his right to his opinion and to feel like he has, uh, you know, every, every uh, right to, to speak his mind about what's good for his child. And I feel like Kim has the exact same right. And that's the problem with the split household, knowing full well that, you know, my son, who's, who's 24 right now, was raised in a split household. Those yeah. are the things that you encounter on a regular basis. What one parent allows, another parent doesn't, and vice versa. And it sucks. But at the end of the day, you have to make your peace with it because that's the, the unfortunate byproduct of living in a split household or operating as a parent in a split household. You're not going to agree with those decisions that the other parent makes all the time. And unless it's something that is catastrophic, and in this case, I don't know if this is catastrophic, uh, you know, if it's something where it turns into something bigger or it turns into something more problematic, sure. But, you know, the, you, you, you have to pick your battles. And as a parent, 
uh, who operated in a, a split household for a long time, um, th- this isn't a battle that I would have uh, I would have picked. And you know, I don't I don't think it's uh, I, that's why I say I don't I don't think one person is right or one person is wrong to the point where you know we have uh, we have any right to kind of tell them how to live their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think this just goes more into like the whole thing that Kim and Kanye are there is that battle on there's that public very public battle that they're having and at the end of the day you have to really think about the kids so joe i, so joe, I kind of agree with your <laughs> centrist point of view there and you know what's interesting angel is you bring up this whole kind of battle into the public eye that's playing out which i know we were going to discuss last week um had we done the show but you know for this show and for what it is right now, as we're seeing more things unfold with Kanye, as we're seeing this, you know, new woman in his life and everything, I have to wonder, does some of his public comments play out in just the right way? You know, is he trying to get people back to his side of things? Because when he and Kim did split, you know, every tabloid, every People magazine, every um, New Yorker, everybody had, you know, Kanye going crazy as a headline and Kanye slipping away and Kanye's doing this. And so I wonder, you know, were these comments, you know, which social media and children is a very hot button issue right now, were these comments kind of well calculated in terms of bringing them out to the public's eye? Was I believe the- so. Yeah, yeah, I'll say yeah. why, because he weaponized being a black father. Kanye, who has shunned the black community, looked down on the black community, slave, said slavery was a choice. While you know, his wife, you know, while he dates popular. one white woman after another, and that's his choice. But you have dismissed the black community. And when you felt your back was mm-hmm. up against the wall, you weaponized the black community, saying, you know, I'm a black father, I'm being kept out of the mm-hmm. lives of my children. Meanwhile, I, I believe I believe that two things can be true at once. I believe that he can be a concerned father and I can believe he can be an abusive ex. And I think it's both things at the very same time. He's an abusive ex and he's a concerned father and he's weaponizing both. Allegedly on the first one. Allegedly. <laughs> and then and I, I do also want to say that uh, that uh, I know that uh, a few of my friends I'm sorry, are fans. Abusive, I mean like emotionally and stuff, but of course, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, I do want to say that, like, it seems like that every time that something happens that is related to Kanye, it seems that an album is close to be being dropped. Mm-hmm. So you might you might want you might want to put a pin on that, see when the next album's coming out. So well, in also, order for me to wonder when his next album is coming out, his music would have to be worth listening to. Ooh, it hasn't been good since through the wire, though. So I will say that um, Joseph, as usual, I love that he's the contrarian. Um, he makes <laughs> a very valid point, um, but I will just interject one thing. You know, it's really not for any of us to, to judge how you know Kanye and Kim are raising their children. If the kids aren't being harmed, you know, we're just you know people just giving our opinion. But I would say that Kim and Kanye have put their personal issues in the public space. And when you do that, everybody's going to comment. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Because they definitely want you to comment, though. You know, that's the big thing. They want to see it trend on Twitter. And, and you know, yeah. I that was part of Joe's point, too, is that that's their bread and butter, as he said. And so is, you know, letting anybody comment, especially with this new Hulu show coming out. You know, 
how do they draw eyes to the streaming service? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. like, that like there's Chris a lot Jenner's of having a field day. <laughs> yeah, but but to, to that point, if you look at if you look at what Kanye is doing or what even what Kim is doing, mm-hmm. you know, we we all put our lives out on social media. Yeah. There's no one's there. No one's there to hear it aside to from our extent. small circle. Well, that's what I'm saying, except for our circle. So there are posts that one of us could put up that is going to draw far less attention. But because someone is is famous, because they have, um, you know, significant wealth or significant fame, you know, those people, uh, they, they're, they're a lightning rod for this type of criticism. And there, like I said, there is there's parents everywhere that are monetizing their kids on social media. There's mm-hmm. kids, you know, there's parents that are, you know, that are, are slave drivers, so to speak, and making their kids do these beauty pageants or dance contests or sports. Like those are, those are the same types of things that are playing out every day all around us. We just don't hear it's about everywhere it. everywhere on YouTube as well. Exactly. Exactly. Everywhere. Is Joseph a lawyer on the side? Because he's bringing some really, really good <laughs> he's some HR. Well, well maybe, that might be that HR mind coming in. He's being right. very That's Star right. Jones tonight. Okay. <laughs> but speaking, you know, Kanye West is not the only polarizing figure that we have in society today. Another one is Joe Rogan. He recently mm. apologized for saying for saying the N word at least twenty different times on his podcast, very popular podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. Spotify had to remove at least over 50 episodes. Now, Joe Rogan has apologized. Do you believe it's sincere or performative? I I will say this. I believe there should be accountability, but I will say with accountability, there should be grace. There should be a chance for evolution, people changing their mindsets. How do you guys feel about it? Because I feel like there are a lot of different things at play when it comes to Joe Rogan. You cannot like him. Personally, I don't believe he's a racist. I think he's an asshole, but I don't think he's a racist. <laughs> I think a lot of people have said a lot of things that we don't. There, The N-word is always something bad to say, but I'm just going to say before anybody else says it. There are a lot of rap songs and the word is out. out, out. Black people say the word like multiple times in conversation i don't i don't use the word but you know i don't think that joe rogan if he saw me in the street is gonna like try to set me on fire and so i can believe that he was like and he said i messed up i can believe that you know i can take it my face value but what about you guys it's the amount of times that's concerning for me um i think you know definitely stephanie what you said i don't think he's racist as as that might shock people for us to say that um i think joe rogan is just so egotistical i think he's just so kind of there's kind of a gross angle to him of sorts that i feel like he just says words to be buzzwords to be shock value to be you know anything because i hate that word it's such a gross word to me. It's a no word. It's a no, <laughs> 86 it right away. What I find funny, however, is you look at how a black woman in Whoopi Goldberg is being presented right now for her comments made on The View about the Holocaust. When she said that race did not play a factor, it was man's inhumanity towards other man. 
My thing about Whoopi though is I find Whoopi's apology very sincere. I do find her suspension warranted, but what I don't find warranted is how people are making her out to be some sort of monster when she is not. To me, they're basically trying to say she is a Holocaust denier of sorts. So when you look at how that situation is being handled, and then you look at how the situation of this is being handled coming out in the middle of Black History Month from a white man who has a podcast that is, you know, there's no denying his success. It's the number one podcast. It gets like, what, 50 million views? You know, that's huge. And he has big guests. He has everybody from Leo Remini all the way down to, um, you know, movie crew members and talk show hosts and everything. You know, the Joe Rogan experience, you know, you can't deny that it is an experience for people who enjoy that podcast. I think the problematic thing is, is that the number of times it has happened is not okay. I do believe people can grow, learn, and change. I believe Whoopi Goldberg is experiencing that right now by taking in what was said to her that, hey, you know, it was about race because Hitler did view you know, the Jews as their own separate race. Um, Mm -hmm. But my thing is the two situations we're saying, people are saying that both people have said something ignorant and disgusting, but it's being handled very differently. And I'm sorry, I hate to play this card. It may sound cliche, but I have a feeling it's because she's a woman, he's a man, she's black, he's white. I'm sorry, I'm just going to point it out. I'm going to be real here. Gloves are off. Um, yeah, I don't know. And also Spotify, the fact, somebody said this very perfectly, the fact that they could remove those episodes instantly shows that they have to be keeping some sort of problematic list on somebody's desk. And I feel that's a little head scratching. That's a little eyebrow raising. It is cause for a little bit of suspicion. And also, um, you know, Joseph and Angel give their opinions. I I don't know if the word love is the right word to use, but I think it's ironic that these situations are happening simultaneously. And the fact that, you know, people are so damn binary nowadays. If you're left, you're right. If you're Republican, mm-hmm. if you're Democrat, if you're liberal, if you're conservative, but you're reacting differently to the same exact situation. If you're saying that Joe Rogan should not be canceled, should be given grace, you should be saying the very exact thing, same thing for Whoopi Goldberg. You shouldn't be saying that Whoopi should lose her job. If you don't believe that Joe Rogan should lose his Spotify, Spotify contract, you should not want Whoopi Goldberg to lose her job. Where would we all be if there were not grace afforded to us? I know that for me, Malcolm X is one of my favorite people in history. Before there was a Malcolm X, there was a Malcolm Little. Malcolm Little did so much shit in his life. You would you would have you would have written him up as a lost cause. And I'm not equating Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Rogan to Malcolm X. All I'm saying is that there is room for growth. And the fact that people are simply reacting based on their tribalism when it comes to Whoopi and Joe Rogan, I think that's this problem that we have in society. And it's not, and these two are just kind of reflecting back on us. Because my thing is, and I'll wrap this up really quickly because I know I've been going and going and going. But my thing is, is that, you know, you can grow and learn and you can change. And I feel like, you know what? I feel he should be given that opportunity because there is such a huge market out for his podcast. And he does have the chance to do something different. And I've never listened to his show, 
but I'm sure maybe once in a while he's thrown a very profound interview question in there during how many other episodes he has. But, you know, this kind of reminds me of like when Ellen DeGeneres, like when the investigation was going on at her show for harassment and everything, and it was building up to her season premiere and people were wondering what she was going to say. And she turned it into a stand-up comic routine, basically. Mm-hmm. Something so serious about sexual harassment in the workplace was a stand-up comedy routine for her for 10 minutes. And that's kind of what I feel like we're getting with Joe Rogan is, is he going to learn from this as opposed to Whoopi Goldberg, who I feel has learned something new, something profound in her mind. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the same is going to be said for Joe Rogan, but only time will tell. But anyway, go to somebody else. I've been talking and talking. I hate to do this <laughs> about Whoopi Goldberg because I love, I, I look, I loved her since uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. She was one of the first Black actresses that I've seen on TV. However, I do feel like that some of the hate against Whoopi Goldberg is just, she got away with way too much. She uh, mentioned that uh, with Roman Polanski, that uh-huh. it was a rape. rape. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a lot of, there's just a lot of stuff that was just problematic. That's a long list. And it's not like she's getting, it's not like that it's, I feel like that, I feel like that all of that has been overlooked in some aspects. And that finally, it's now time for her to learn. And I hate to be this person who says it's not a race issue. I think it's just more that there is a whole line of stuff that has happened with her and she's finally learning from all of that. But also Angel, let me ask you this, where is Joe Rogan's line of learning? Where is his, you know, line of learning in Spotify? Where is his, you know, because it also reminds me of if you want to talk about the view, you look at Megan McCain, Megan McCain you look yep. at Rosie O'Donnell, you look at Elizabeth Hasselbeck, mm-hmm. you look at Joy Behar saying nurses are in no way part of a hospital or meaningful to it mm-hmm. during Nurses Week. It's where is the line for other people to learn? Why does one person have to be the example when others are falling short of the example? I think with me, it feels like it's just a long line of, with with the view. I think it's just it's it's mess. Um, uh, it's it's mess with yeah. it's mess with that. It's it's just a whole hot mess with that. Yeah. In reference to Joe Rogan, I know that people have been unsubscribing. I mean, unsubscribing to Spotify Premium and switching over to other platforms and that sort of thing. Um, with his, I don't really follow Joe Rogan as long uh, as much as I do Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I think he is the lesser host of the man show. Um, so that's where I, that's where my mind goes with that. If anybody remembers the man show, yes. Yeah, Adam Carolla. <laughs> Adam Car- it was Adam Carolla <laughs> and Jimmy Kimmel. And I will never, no. So I, with Joe Rogan, I, I look, and for Whoopi Goldberg too, because I, and for Whoopi Goldberg too, because I know Whoopi Goldberg, she's learning from it. And she's, she's taking those two weeks kind of heard that she was upset about that but i'm not sure if that's true or not or maybe that's just some pundits um i would say that with joe rogan i hope he learns from that because i will say and i, ho- and I hope and i hope and i hope somebody is watching those spotify numbers going to spotify numbers because if those numbers go down let's see if joe rogan gets kicked off of the platform i will say that sometimes and again this is going to be a really unpopular opinion. He said something very telling 
I didn't agree with the rest of his stand-up performance because he mocked his controversies and controversies and everything. But he did say something very telling. He said, I talk, you know what, for a living. That's why this is so baffling uh, to me. And he brought up vaccines and he said, if you're taking vaccine advice from me, is that really my fault? And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's just, my thing is, is, you know what, I got to thinking about it more and more, you know, and we're bringing up the view, we're watching the view and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so if Joy Behar says something, does that mean I, I take Joy Behar's words for it? Or, you know, if she says like, oh, you know, the polling numbers for President Biden are, you know, through the roof at this time, even though they might be really low. You know, sometimes he has a point that you should be doing your own homework. But I think because of the outreach he has, because he is the number one listen to podcast, sometimes it's a little problematic that you're not using your reach for the right thing. Um, And that, you know, you're going on and you're mocking your controversies and stuff. Um, But Joe, I bet you have something to say. So again, I'm going to before Joe says something, I just wanted to say that I, as a journalist, I think it's telling that so many people put their faith in Joe Rogan rather yes. than media outlets. That's very telling. And the thing is, you cannot blame Joe Rogan for that. There, and, well, you know what? Let me let Joe you speak. Really can't because okay, I'll say one more thing. Sorry, Joe. I'm I don't want to step on your time, but That's I right. will say one thing: is these are opinionated shows. It's called The View. It's not called. 2020 with Elizabeth Vargas. It's not called CBS News with Nora O'Donnell. It's called The View. It's called The Joe Rogan Experience. You know, it's called The Stream. You know, you look at us for- I was just about to say that. We take a news story, like every talk show before us, and we discuss our opinions about it. We're a tried and true talk show method. We're not the first, we won't be the last. There's a hundred on them on TV. Particularly, I love the real if you have time to watch it. But you know, yes, he's, the real. <laughs> he's doing nothing different than what everybody else has done before him. The only reason he falls in hot water is because somebody has put up this compilation, he mocks his controversies, and he's unpolit he's unapologetic, but sometimes I think he's unapologetic for the right reasons. You know, anyway, I, go, I'm, go ahead. I'm- <laughs> I will say that um, I, I've listened. I've I've listened to enough of, of Joe Rogan's podcasts, um, especially before the COVID era, where he was a little bit more reasonable in in his mm-hmm. perspectives and some of the the guests that he had on there. And he's kind of you know he's kind of gravitating. He, he was always a little bit more libertarian kind of leaning and, and has gravitated more towards a conservative approach to a lot of things. And I think with that comes an audience that is much more against this kind of woke cancel culture. Like that, that's their, they profess that, that that's the last thing that they want is, is to be canceled. And so I think, you know, again, we fall into this tribalistic response to Joe Rogan and Whoopi Goldberg and anyone else that says anything that's controversial. And I, I am a passionate advocate of free speech. I don't think that, you know, Spotify didn't listen to all of his podcasts and vet them before they put them up there, then leave them up there. 
If people don't like the words that are on there, don't listen to it. They don't like his opinions, don't listen to it. And it's extremely offensive. I think one time using the N word on a podcast is offensive. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, listen, I'm dating myself. That's fine. But at the end of the day, people have these platforms because they, uh, they, they draw a crowd and they, uh, they have a, a massive following because they say things that are controversial. And to me, the, the, the risk of limiting voices, whether we like them or not, is far greater when we start talking about you know, someone saying something and that there's an expectation for them to immediately apologize, immediately you know, prostrate themselves and, and uh, you know, bow down to what society is telling them that they have to do. We don't have to agree with them. We don't have to agree that you know, the, the, the reasons why the Holocaust was a bad thing. We don't have to agree you know, with Joe Rogan utilizing that word. What we have to agree on is that there's a certain standard that we as Americans live by, and that is someone can say something, and as long as it is not inciting a riot, you know, like, I'm not going to go there, but inciting a riot or causing, you know, causing, uh, you know, uh, people to panic in, in, a, in a movie, things like that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck with it because we can't have, we can't have it both ways. We can't have only free speech where we enjoy it and where we're comfortable with it, and we can't have controversy immediately canceled just because we don't like it. Yeah. And that, to me, that's inherently the problem with extremes. I have a, uh, I, I, <laughs> I kind of lean in the center. So that's why I'm kind of, well, I don't know where I'm pointing. Uh, that's why I kind of am like on the side of the joke, but, uh, but I don't know. That's the, that's a hair, the hair issue with, with extremes to me is that like, you can't have it one way or you have to have the other and way. I don't it's, necessarily yeah. think if I'm being honest, I don't necessarily think that the artist who pulled their music, I don't think it was artists that make an impact on Spotify's no. audience. I don't think people who use Spotify, if you look at the majority of people, it's people in their 20s, it's teenagers, you know, out with Pandora and with Spotify, a 20-year-old is not listening to Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, they're not I, worried about Neil Young. Yeah, they're not. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no relation. That's great for them to stick <laughs> up with their opinions because, you know, we are, we are talking about opinions and stuff, but they have to realize, you know, as much as it hurts me, and I'm not siding with Joe Rogan. Let me be very clear about that. I'm not siding with him. I'm not siding against him. I'm falling in the middle of an issue. And the issue is, is I don't think you should have pulled your music but you can because that's your opinion on the matter, but you have to realize others can have an opinion too. And yeah. Joe had his opinion and he's not going to be famous with the majority of people right now, but he's mm -hmm. going to be famous with his majority of people. And mm -hmm. honestly, I don't think he will be dethroned as the number one podcast. You know, even if Spotify was to cancel his contract, he'll get picked up by somebody else. Um, probably serious. <laughs> yeah. no, he'll, he'll, go to, he'll go to Trump's platform. He already said it. Look at Howard. Joe oh, Rogan is doing nothing different than Howard Stern has done with his show for 20 years. Thank you. And also, I think there's also a dynamic. <laughs> yeah, <at> right. <laughs> and also, there's a dynamic at play. It's the pendulum always swings back. Um, think of Trump, think of Biden. The thing is that when people feel that you've gone to the extreme, 
It's like, well, we have to go back over here and it becomes sanitized. Mm -hmm. When it becomes sanitized, it's like, okay, Joe Rogan seems shocking because everybody's afraid to say what they're really thinking. But eventually that runs its course. And they must go, you know what? Let's just be a little more polite. And it keeps going back and forth. And I feel like right now at this moment, we're in the midst of another pendulum swing. And people- Dave Chappelle, they're seen as, you know, edgy. They're seen as, you know, fighting back against cancel culture because they're saying what everybody else isn't saying. But eventually you can't keep martyring yourself, you know, like get off the mouse. Because Mm -hmm. nobody can win. And, you know, if you want to boil it down to politics, a Republican can't win, a Democrat can't win. You know, Whoopi Mm -hmm. Goldberg is as Democratic as they come. Clearly she can't win. And, you know, here's the thing, though. I will say this. If it don't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. However, these are people who are making enough dollars. The View is watched by 3 million people a day. It's making a ton of money still for uh, ABC. Joe Rogan, number one podcast, making a ton of money for Spotify. These people are here to stay. And you can disagree with their opinions and we can formulate our own opinions. That's what they want you to do. The view does want you to formulate your own opinion Mm -hmm. on a topic. They want you to speak your mind. They want you to have your view. They want you to have your own experience. However, it depends if you take their word for it each and every time, then it's a different ball game. But until then, these people have their shows because you've made them successful. You know, the view's been on for 25 years. Joe Rogan's Mm -hmm. done over 200 episodes, I believe. It is what it is. And the stream is on their third. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. (laughs) (laughs) As our episode winds down, you know, as always, I want to reflect on what happened in our lives this past week. I know that for me, it's been a, a bit of a stressful week, but, you know, Hopefully the new week will bring, you know, more clarity, but I will say that I'm happy that I finished writing the last six chapters of my novel. You are speaking to a future New York Times bestselling author. I just want to get that out there. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Drinks on me. Oh, you bet they are. Oh, yes. (laughs) But until then, it's just me as the moderator who is just really proud and happy to be on the stream. Happy that I finished writing the last six chapters of my novel. And I I move the give the mic to you, Angel. What happened in your week this what happened in your life this week? Okay. (laughs) I um so um I celebrated my friend's birthday uh at a um and it's not exclusive to Philadelphia, but there is a bar at a, a bar called Barcade, and I think there's a few of them in New York City as well, where they have video games in the bar as you drink. So the section of Philadelphia that I went to was called Fish Sound. And I happened to look around, everybody was dressed up like it was the 90s, and I'm like, I need to come here more often. It's, it's amazing, amazing place to be. I, I it, look, if, if you ever visit Philadelphia, Fishtown, do not take the L. Do not take the L train there. There are buses that go there. <laughs> and just don't. Do not take the L train. This is not New York City. You don't want to see experiences that you don't know. So, and then other than that, uh, tomorrow I am, uh, as mentioned uh, in the first episode, the contest that I'm competing in, I will be competing in that contest tomorrow. So fingers crossed that I get a trophy um, or at least advanced, <laughs> but I want that trophy. I just need, I need a trophy in my life. 
Yes. Get it. Good luck to you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, in my life, of course, you know, I do a million different things. Um, you know, I am on a million different podcasts, but one I do is um, a scripted uh, podcast, audio soap opera. Uh, we not only debuted our third season of Forever in a Day um, on the 7th, but we also found out this past week that we were nominated for two Indie Series Awards. Uh, Yay! So we're very um, <laughs> we snagged a Best Ensemble nomination and uh, Benjamin Bryant, who plays the role of Gregory Marshall, uh, got a nomination for Best Actor uh, in an audio fiction series. So we're very happy. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. What about you, Joe? What's going on in life? Well, uh, we're, we're redoing the kitchen. <laughs> I know Ooh, it's exciting, right? Fun. I know it's pretty crazy. <laughs> we're in the, we're in the process of, uh, just redoing the kitchen. I, I was, um, I was, uh, I was also, uh, out negotiated by a six-year-old to now coach soccer again. So that it's been a, <laughs> it's been a hallmark week in, in dad life for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, other than that, just waiting for winter to be over and, you know, dealing with this crappy weather and all the things that come along with it. I'm happy that, you know, that the numbers for COVID are starting to turn a corner and that places are starting to uh, to lift some restrictions so that we can hopefully start to feel a little bit more normal as an HR person that is tasked with making sure that everyone's wearing their masks and getting vaccinated and all that good stuff. Um, it has been a, a wild ride and I'm sure the wild ride is not over, but um, it, at least we're seeing some daylight now and, and hopefully less, less stress on our healthcare systems, on families, on people that have, uh, you know, have been dealing with loved ones that have either, you know, uh, either had severe cases or lingering effects. Um, you know, that my, my hope is that, um, you know, that we keep moving forward. And um, this week, it kind of felt like there was a little bit of that weight lifted. And I hope that just continues. Mm -hmm. Glad to hear that. And thank you once again, everybody, for joining us on another episode of the stream. Um, we will be back next week. Have a good one. Stay safe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wear a mask, wash your hands, all of that. Look, I didn't, I didn't want to take that over. <laughs> <laughs>